0: Welcome along once again to another Creature and Podcast, and once again I've grabbed the victim off the streets. Brought him in, kicking and screaming, to uh, chat to me about what he does. Adam Williams, thanks very much for, for coming in today. Uh, I've seen you around the building a few times. We have kind of nodded at each other, and I recognised you. First thing I should have realised that you were a student that I worked with years ago. But I've worked with a fair few over the 18 years, so I do forget a bit. But I recognise your face anyway. What's your What's your role here at the university? What 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 are you about?
1: Um, well, I'm the senior program manager for an organisation called Uprising. We're not actually employed by the university, but we're a partner in the university and the university actually contributes towards our funding and support in that sense mm-hmm. and they also offer us some lovely office space as well. Which is nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice.
0: <laughs> so your job, the actual job title again is? Is the Senior Programme Manager. Right, okay. And that's for Uprising. That's for Uprising, yeah. yeah. So Uprising, is it a relatively new kind of
1: initiative? No, it's been running since around 2011, 2012. Started off in Tower Hamlets in London. Mm. Um, as part of the Young Foundation. It then broke out and then became a charity within itself, and it's a UK-wide charity. We have offices in London, in Bedford, in Birmingham, Manchester, and here in Cardiff as well.
0: And so what's the, when you say young people, is there like a, a cut-off point, it's like 16, 25 or something? It's 18
1: to 25-year-olds are the young right. people that we work with, and we work with uh, underrepresented groups as mm. well. So it's about providing opportunities and training and support for young people into leadership, so into leadership roles, and whether that means through uh, public sector, private sector, uh, voluntary sector, so forth. So we cover mm. a lot of bases there as
0: well. So that seems like a really challenging thing to do. So you've got these young people. Are they sort of voluntarily saying, you know, we, we want to get involved in leadership and can you help us with our, our careers? How do you generate these people? How does it work? Okay, well, we have uh, recruitment
1: drives. The two, I'll start off, I'll go back. We have two core programmes. We have our leadership programme and we have our environmental leadership programme. Mm-hmm. They run in tandem with a different cohort of, of young people and they have a curriculum of events and activities throughout the year, which also runs in tandem to the, you know to the standard academic year as well. Okay, so we work closely with recruitment partners, and we do the usual social media. But then mm. people apply, mm. young people apply for it, and there's uh, a shortlisting process um, for
0: the young people to come on the
1: course as well.
0: And so, this is to do with the arts, is it predominantly, or can it be more? Is it wider than that? It's
1: it's wider than that. It's leadership. Mm. It, the leadership program is
0: leadership in general. What would be the kind of examples of the leadership positions they might end up in?
1: Well, any, anywhere within um, the public sector, mm. or the you know the voluntary sector, or business sector as well. So with our programs, um, we work a lot with external stakeholders, external businesses to come in and, and provide sessions for the young people, and we'd like to bring that a range of people with. Uh, a diverse range of skills and experiences as well Hmm. to come in. So we'll have guest speakers, and we'll have guest workshop facilitators come from all areas of society as well. So it's given them a very, very broad overview of leadership within society
0: and culture. Have you got any sort of success stories that are interesting?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I'm very new. (laughs) Uh No, but we do have some some interesting success stories. There's a young man called Sean Sleek who's gone on to um, be a very successful public speaker and is working on his environmental campaigns and so far he's very active on Twitter. You you, you can search him out there. He's alumni from one of our programmes. We are now looking at a process of finding opportunities for our alumni to join various boards as trustees and so forth as well. So, you know, we are looking and working with the alumni. To progress their careers as
0: they move forward so your background was in was in music you know because you did like a music-based course at the University of Glamorgan as, as was I think is that right that's correct yeah. yeah yeah and then out of that you managed to get into the industry and you know so, so tell us a little bit about you know post-graduation how it kind of worked for you in terms of what you wanted to do
1: Was well, an interesting one for me because I was working before going to university I went to university, I was a bit older, I was about 30 years old when I went to university hmm. and I'd already been working and you know, trying to find my way through the sector before going Almost to university. Almost exactly the same as me actually. And and I think going to, going to university then was, was, was an interesting experience um, and the having that practical and vocational experience before going to do the academic course was was an interesting dynamic for me. I'm sure a lot of people who are self-taught will find this, Is sometimes you'd, you'd you're running through processes and you're doing things and you're making things and you're creating things and you're producing things, um, but sometimes you're not really well sure sure what's going on in the background. You know, from a technical perspective, you just know you're using your equipment, you're using your tools. And I felt that the university then gave me that insight into the more technical side of it and the understanding everything from, you know, from the maths to the electronics, you know, behind the equipment that I was using, which I found was very interesting. It was well. a BSC then, was that? It was a BSC, yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was eye-opening, you know, and if you're looking at things like um, acoustics and acoustic measurements and all these different things, you know, as sound engineer, you go yeah, in yeah. And, and you gauge the room and things yeah. like that, but it's really interesting to find out the processes and the maths behind these acoustically treated rooms and so forth, so um, that was really interesting. And that was
0: helpful for you then when you, when you when you went into business yourself, yeah?
1: Yes, yeah, it was very, very helpful. I'd say it just opened up my eyes and it gave me that better understanding of the fundamentals of music production mm. um, from a technical you know you have the creative you have the I suppose the 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 drive to go and do it and you make things up as you go along as, as you're learning and you're trying things and it's very much trial by error and again it just gives you that background to understand what's actually going on the music is s- subjective process and you can say I like this I don't like that I like the sound of this I don't like the sound of that yeah but having that background knowledge as mm. well to understand perhaps why you like something or why you
0: don't like things why you think something sounds off yeah um, that I imagine that is quite interesting because um, I'm guessing therefore you got a musician who's saying no no this is really work this really this is really right but you you actually have a kind of profound technical knowledge of why a musician is actually not, not actually correct but then it's a communication process with the musician which is always a tough call, isn't
1: it? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, no, you're right. It's very much music production. It's one of the most people-focused jobs you can do. So you have that technical knowledge and you have that, that creative drive, but it's being able to work and understand, compromise and collaborate with yeah. other people is the key skill in, so, in that, I always say.
0: So a couple of years ago, and I've, I've got, I'm, still, I'm still playing in about three different bands, you know. Mm-hmm. and, and I, I, I came in here and welcomed the quality of, of the equipment here and was able to record some stuff yeah yeah so i worked with a graduating ma uh, student and his thing was um 360 sound and kind of uh, ambisonics and stuff like this yeah. so that was a really kind of strange so he came out from 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 that angle um and he had a really kind of an imaginative way about him but what i really liked about him as much as i can i mean i don't know whether i'll ever see him again we wanted to work on some research stuff cause he's such an interesting guy contacted him a couple of times hopefully we will meet up but what i really liked about him and not everybody has this was he was able to tell us as a band no guys can you try it like this yeah and we all kind of respected what he wanted because we liked him mm-hmm. so he had that kind of authoritative warmth yeah which is you know a, i i think quite a key attribute for a, a producer working with all these different musicians but pun intended mm-hmm. you don't know from adam
1: yeah, that that's correct. It is the people skills are, are key to it, and it's, if you're working with a band, you have to be able to quickly understand the dynamics of that band in the relationship with do the that, next band
0: it? is that when they're sound checking setting up sound checking them when they arrive? just
1: engaging conversations you know there's always capacity issues and things like that but you do your best to get to know them perhaps come around and just have a listening session just listen to some records listen yeah. to some music yeah. go and have something to eat all in the pre-production a couple phase of beers. A couple of beers yeah Yeah. 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 Do, do, what, do whatever you need mm. to do and really get to know things. and being observational as well and, and looking at, at the dynamics and the relationships between the different band members, you know, their posture, the way they interact, the way they inter- engage with each other. And this is, I think, is a universal skill as well when you're working with teams, you know. And, and just going back to my role now with Uprising, you know, we encourage people to be leadership. And that, a lot of that is about teamwork and understanding yeah. people. And especially as we're moving forward and beyond, I suppose, the technical Revolution is that that's becoming normal and commonplace now. It'll always happen, it'll always progress, it'll always move on. But in the workplace and looking at leadership and those sorts of attributes within the workplace, we're looking fundamentally more now, you know, it's very risky predicting the future, but looking more at people skills and the softer skills and the creative skills across a wide range of workplaces. So I, th- I think that's something that's key, is those soft skills, those people skills across all if you if you think of the um, record producer as a leadership person within that context and within oh, yeah, that project, yeah, absolutely, it's those people skills. That
0: yeah, come in. I, I'm, I'm looking a bit vague and more than normal, but um, yeah. just because I'm trying to think, uh, the lad's name was Jim, and I was just trying to think, there was a particular theory actually that he applied to his ethos in a, in a recording studio, um, and you, I think you'd find it really fascinating as a <laughs> producer because because it was just like this 360 thing going on. What he actually did was. He, his, his, his lovely concept his concept was that we would re, we would record a song a week over the summer right so we went for six and he said no but we'll say there's another week or so and make it seven and then every week the idea was we'd go in we'd, re, we'd record this song and he'd kind of tell us what kind of feel he wanted on it and then he'd dress the room in accordance of the, with the mood of the song mm-hmm. and have a particular imagery which would then keep him with, with the song to set the mood And so then every time he'd record, we didn't really know this till later on pretty well, but Mm. he was filming everything. So then it was all sped up. And the beauty of it was, if you put a pair of virtual reality goggles on and some headphones, you'd look around. Oh, blimey, look, there's a producer over there. Oh, what's that drummer doing with the snare drum, you know? Yeah. You'd look look around the room, and of course, from your perspective, you know all this stuff. Yeah, Yeah, The sound changes. And I did that for week after week. The idea was that the following day after each song, it would then be kind of fed out through social media as a kind of virtual release. Yeah. And at the end of it, we'd have this kind of virtual EP called Songs for the Summer. Now, in fact, we didn't release any of the stuff, as it turns out. We didn't release any, but the rest of it happened exactly as he wanted to. And he showed me the stuff with the back of it. And it's kind of mind-blowing. Like, who walks around the street with virtual reality goggles on, you know?
1: Exactly. It's it's about accessibility and usability. It's, it's an amazing audience experience. Yeah. Totally immersive. Yeah. And, totally immersive, and very yeah. cr- very creative, yeah. isn't it? but again it's about accessibility you can't really do that when you're going out for your jog can no, you or no, you know no, you're cycling to work no, so it's uh no, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't No. yeah it doesn't, it doesn't translate
0: to that particular user group uh, yeah i mean my, my idea with it which I, I probably never do but i really love this i remember sitting in here with uh, you probably know him a guy called pete lamburn one of the techie guys here okay yeah lovely yeah. guy great musician actually lovely guitar player but he sat in here with me and i said oh look at this pete and I, I gave him like, it was all on, on my phone sort of thing and he took the feed through that for the goggles and whatever and uh and you can see his head spinning round and a big grin on his face, you know? I thought what I'd really love to do is in a really small space, because this is what holds about 20 people, I suppose, yeah. get like 15 to 20 people in here, put virtual reality goggles on all of them, and then film them watching the video, you know? And then put that out as a video. But, yeah. um, I mean, uh, the, the, which I don't know, maybe it's just my, my, my way of looking at things. In terms of creativity and kind of, um, you know, experimentalism and doing things and trying things out... Did you you find that music production gave you uh, an avenue to explore some of that?
1: Oh, definitely. Um, I think, you know, it is that that curiosity and press the button, see what happens, you know, when you're learning these sort of skills, these tools and techniques. Quite often as a younger, you just, you know, equipment, you say you mentioned earlier in this conversation about all the wonderful equipment in, in this university to yeah. for people to get hands on and play with. That's amazing. Which,
0: I honestly genuinely think there is. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah, there, there is. It's fascinating. You have a yeah. look around the studios and the resources the students have access to. And I go back to when I was young. We didn't have this. No. Uh, and, yeah. and you made do with what you had. Yeah. And you had to go that extra mile with your creativity. or the studio or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah all these different mm. things, you know, and going mm. back to 8-tracks and, and yeah. so forth, and which were what you could get keyboard synthesizers samplers and so mm. forth that had limitations but of course at that time we wasn't thinking about these limitations we were just trying to make the most of well, them I mean, we look at what the
0: Beatles did before tracks yeah yeah you know yeah it's, but it, that is creativity isn't yeah it? yeah you know? um, and George Martin of course yeah. being largely responsible for yeah. that as a, as a producer so as a, as a as a still a music producer I believe, yeah, part, yeah, you know, yeah, part of your own studio, it's bits yeah. and pieces here and you've there, got yeah. The kit there. Yeah, how has the kind of advance in 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 technology and the move into kind of the digital environment, how has that enhanced, if it has, or diminished, if it has, the kind of creative experience of recording music? Yeah, it's changed it. It's made collaboration a lot easier. It's obviously a lot
1: more affordable. The ways in which you can work within spaces and other people, and with other people has changed. You know, from that traditional, you know, and it's nice, oh, you go to Abbey Road, and it's brilliant, fantastic acoustics, amazing gear, all that knowledge and experience there. Mm -hmm. Just going back to that creativity and that curiosity that you have and that drive, that you have these mobile places, you can go and arrange to record somewhere completely unique, you know, if you want a unique sound or if you want to go and experiment and then you can just move that easily and affordably into a mix room and mix it, you know, and you can record over a period of time in different sessions rather than booking two weeks in a specific studio. So you're looking at your budgets and the cost of making stuff Mm. that has greatly reduced. There is a brand new economy around music now and what music and what popular music means. But you're looking at, you know, and it's quite often mentioned as the music is the actual loss leader now and, you know, the other forms of media are around their creativity, whether it's TikTok or Instagram and things like that and how they use these tools and so forth.
0: Tell us a little bit more about that because that's really interesting. So the music is the loss leader. So the other products and the other these other advances are the mm. revenue creators.
1: Yeah, they're, well, they're alternative revenue creators. And I think a lot of the big acts now um, are using these tools to their advantage. You know, and how they—not just how they engage their audiences, but how they make a living as well. Mm. You know, through sponsorship from various companies and so forth. Mm. You know, back in the day, it was like working with big brands and things that was classed as selling out, but it's a valid income yeah, source now. Yeah, and spiritually, it's, that's kind spiritually, of changed. That yeah, really is, spiritually it? and yeah. culturally, and how yeah. it's accepted it's accepted yeah. as a, a genuine sort of income stream for for musicians.
0: I mean, I've been I've been involved in bands for probably over forty years. And, yeah, I mean, you know, as a, as a musician, you know, things have changed so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether I could answer my own question about how, how much the technology has impacted on the kind of creativity within the kind of songwriting and production mm-hmm. process. I don't know whether it's, whether, whether it's good or bad. It, I guess it's a mixed bag, is it really? I think it depends where you come from and,
1: and, and your experiences. Um, I think for younger creators that are coming through now that only know this, you know, this is their journey. Yeah, that's true. That's this true. is their journey. Yeah. And if I sort of put try and put myself um, in their position, I mm. would be like I was when I was that age with the technology that I had access to, constantly yeah. pushing it, trying to get it to do new things and be more creative. They're just going to do exactly the same. Mm. And that's the same with the business models and the tools and the infrastructure around the, their business models that they have to yeah. do as well.
0: I mean, there's obviously, you know... It, it, there's, you know, the shareability of, of digital platforms is kind of, you know, uh, kind of infinite, really. But I mean, I I'll, I'll sort of compare it to the kind of, you know, the, the American dream. You know, you know, like I, everyone can be the president. Yeah, it's great, but so can everyone else. Yeah. You know, it's like, how do you? Yeah. You know, how do you make that work for you? You know, is it is it luck? Is it is it meet, meeting the right people? Is it a combination of things? Have you had any experience of people? Maybe people you've worked with who've managed to sort of get on the ladder? I think it's it's a
1: it's a combination of things. There there is some good research uh, around out there about, you know, access to these opportunities and how do you get access to these opportunities? And it's easier for some than it is for others due to perhaps circumstances, financial backing, um, support from parents and wider community and so forth. So you can have a look at the social challenges around Mm -hmm. young musicians being able to make it and being given that opportunity to be able to make it. Yeah, you have to be good. You have to be engaging these days, You know, as as we just discussed um, with regards to social media. I think you have to engage your audiences on a more regular basis and different things. But as you were saying, there is so much out there. It'd be interesting to find out how many new pieces of music are uploaded every day to the various platforms. And then you know you're looking at things like the attention economy then, and what's that competing with other things, yeah, yeah. computer games, yeah, the, Netflix.
0: Everything is a huge crazy. paper to be written on, on that. I think. Yes, yeah. yeah um, so. Which I don't think I'll be writing, but it, <laughs> it is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you could write it. <laughs> Talking about acts that you worked with on the way in, you mentioned you, you uh, produced um, Silver and Pepper an album for them, for example. Yes. Any examples of the kind of musicians you particularly enjoyed working with?
1: Yeah, well with the Deserve Us and Pepper album it's an interesting one. I find them quite difficult to categorize, really. They have their influences. Mm. And and we we drew on, you know, and again when I mentioned about listening and stuff, you know, we listened to, I've known them for years, even though this is the first time I worked with them, I've known them for years. So Were they knew, unsigned when you first met them? Well they're unsigned, they're a completely independent band. Right you know, they're signed okay. to their own label. Wow, they're, they're big, have, though, aren't they? Yeah, they have distribution deals in certain geographies around the world and things like that, but they're completely mm. independent. Mm. So they run and do everything themselves and self-contained. With regard to their career, this was their fifth album. So they're quite seasoned at doing this now. And they know, they've built an audience, they know exactly what they want. And again, when you come to sort of sustaining your business as a musician, you can take risks. But I suppose they were thinking about, you know, if we take risks in in creative directions, do we alienate some of our audience and so forth? But they have this, you know, they're wonderful players, wonderful musicians, wonderful songwriters. Lovely harmonies Lovely harmonies. And they've cr- crafted their sound hmm. over their journey of being our music makers and, and music producers. When you come in as a producer, you have to be mindful of that.
0: You knew them of old, yeah? Yeah. So that kind of was a little bit different. But yeah. how did they kind of... Break to you? Was it you, you just sit down and have a meal somewhere or something? And they said, "Look, this is what we're trying to achieve with this album." Yeah, yeah, we did all that. Yeah. And how did they, how was it you who ended up producing the album? How did that work as well?
1: Well, they asked me. They they asked me to come in and 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 do it. Hmm. And I just said, "Yes, yeah, I'd love to." So but I, I, so- I like the band, you yeah. know, and we'd never worked together in the you know before. So I said, "Let's let's do this." Yeah. So we had a listen, and um, they write acoustically on the on the guitar and the piano. Mm-hmm. So I was at their house and they started running through some of the rough ideas that oh, they nice. had for their songs. Yeah, the um, three of them, yeah? There's two of them, there's two, Zervas yeah. and Pepper. Simon as well? Simon comes in. he's one of the key members of the band that is mm. there, the majority of the time, there's Andrew mm. uh, Brown on the bass and then they have various percussionists and other uh, musicians okay. coming on then different parts. When they're demoing songs, it's just a pair of when them. When yeah. They mm. they do all the writing mm. themselves, uh, Catherine and Paul, they come yeah. in and do that, yeah and then they work out the musical parts with the band, the various musicians, the session musicians that they bring in to do certain parts on certain instruments and
0: so forth as well. Did you suggest any kind of instrumentation for, for it? Not
1: on this particular album, no. Paul and Catherine, you know, they they, they pretty much have their, their mind set, and they do a lot of recording themselves as well, because they have oh. their studio. And the process was that we went in and they'd rehearsed with the band, they had an idea of the arrangement of the songs... And so forth so we went in and we recorded the drums in the bass um, to a guide acoustic guitar um, and then we had those tracks so we had a nice place we had a nice studio we had a couple of days in there we got some great drum sounds um so we knew that cost that expense as far as part of the tricky one that's a tricky one that's, tricky good, one. Yeah. that's yeah. done we were happy with them we got them done and then that gave us and especially paul and catherine a bit of time to start layering and start thinking about their harmony layers the instrument layers and for me to input into that as well, hmm. and then when the songs were complete and they had the majority of the stems of the different instruments recorded, then we brought her in to start mixing and start playing with the mix and seeing what would work, and then we'd make hmm. tweaks as we went along from there. So
0: I mean, I always find the mixing the mixing stage is can be quite a delicate process with the producer because, like you said earlier, you know, and I hmm. think I totally agree with you. Like I said, you know, Jim way younger than us. We're all, we're all geezers yeah yeah but you know in the studio the producer in my world is the gaffer so you know sometimes you don't want like all the musicians there sometimes you yeah. don't want any of the musicians there sometimes you have to kind of negotiate that Do you is, is that is that in your experience the same in in some experiences yes
1: definitely hmm. um sometimes you're just given stems and then off, yeah. off off you go that's that's your job to then go and hmm. mix that to how you um perceive them be that you know the, mm. the sound that you want to get. Um, with Zervas and Pepper it was a little bit different Paul and Kath were in on a lot of the sessions
0: and that was good that was, that was okay. good that was yeah. brilliant
1: because mm. they were they were giving me stems and there would be seven or eight guitar tracks yeah and they all needed to work together in a certain way and this was what was happening in Paul's mind these need to work together in a certain way so it was beneficial for Paul to be in the room with me then when we were layering those different guitar tracks mm-hmm. and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a more efficient use of our time rather mm-hmm. than me coming up with something, sending mm-hmm. it to him mm-hmm. and then coming back and saying, no, I, th- I think we need to change this a little bit. Let's sit in together and do it together. It was a collaboration in that sense.
0: And a creative process. And a creative process. It. But it made, yeah. I'm sure there have been circumstances without naming anyone over the years where you've been mixing stuff and you're kind of half-wishing that that certain person maybe would just... They get on with it. Oh yeah,
1: definitely. And I, and I think that happens mm. in all areas of life, really. Yeah. There can be times when it does get overwhelming um, with mm. the amount of changes that you're being asked to make and, and being asked to do things differently. Yeah. But you have to be mindful. Sometimes this is a lifetime's work for a certain person and in their mind it's a certain way. Mm. And they may not have that background knowledge or experience of how to put this thing together as a whole. And so again, it comes down to that art of compromise, you know, and very personal about it in a sense and having those honest conversations and being able to do that and have those honest conversations yeah. with
0: people. Well, we had, we, had, we had a circumstance like that. I mean, not, not, not at your level mm-hmm. really, but a lot of things you said there really resonated with me. Like I said, I've been, I've been involved personally in music for like over 40 mm-hmm. years, you know. You write songs over a period of time. So to so the last album that I did with, with my uh, main band, some of these we'd written years ago you know and, and they were our babies you know mm. and then the producer was was an, another student graduating by the masters mm. way younger than us um and it became a little kind of tricky at times where we had to say oh would you mind trying it this way mm. and his his philosophy was and i don't know whether this this is this is true or not he said look in the real world you know um kind of over three strikes are out really you know i gave you this you didn't like it i give you again so yeah. it got you know Quite tense, but in the end, you did a fantastic job. But it must be difficult for producers if you are sending mixes out and then getting a negative response. You almost feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall sometimes. What do these people want? You know?
1: Yeah, it it can it can get challenging sometimes. But it is again about being mindful of you know they're they're the paying customer. You know, and you have. Uh, a, a contract as such, or you have have an agreement to be able to deliver. Yeah, something. we didn't have that,
0: you know, because it's more no, informal. More I, informal I, I, did, yeah. I did, I did, pay, yeah. I did, pay, I did pay the guy, yeah, but I mean, I paid the guy. It wasn't like a professional, professional contract, contract. Such, yeah. But
1: but by yeah. the by, there's almost yeah. like a creative contract between you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which, which, is, which not, is yeah, which is, is, is valuable in, mm. in, in in its sense. But I think, and again, with technology, the ac- accessibility of technology, there's always that time to make those changes, and I, I think people can play on that a little bit too much. You know, is the fact that it's accessible. You can go in and just make a change. Whereas before, is that you had your studio time. once your studio time was up, you're, you're out. You, you take away what you had. Yeah. You've done your best. Yeah. This is this is what you take away. Yeah. But it's almost endless. The process now it can be mm-hmm. kind it it's constantly being tweaked. It's constantly being changed.
0: I suppose uh, you know Brian Wilson is, which been is interesting it, creatively. It, anyway, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. T- uh, it is. And talking mm-hmm. like I say, I mean the, the ultimate maybe. I wonder what it would be like to have to work with Brian Wilson, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, imagine, you know, such a a, a perfectionist having that big grand vision of what he wanted everything to be and to Mm. sound like and to bring all those people on board with that idea. Famously obsessive. Yeah.
0: What would be your um, advice for young people, maybe, I don't know, students graduating, getting into the music business who want to be producers? Is there like any advice you'd give them as a producer? Build relationships.
1: You know, continue the, the usual stuff. Build your skills. Um, work with as many people as you can. Be open minded about genre, style, um, build those skills, but build relationships. Build relationships with people. Keep at it. You know, it's from a career's perspective, it's different. Be again be open minded about your different revenue streams and how you can earn a living. Yeah, so that would be my, my advice really. And it's always changing, you know, things are changing so fast. So yeah, just keep on top of, of what's Sort of going on culturally yeah, is, and which technologically Which again as well. is
0: extremely challenging because for it's ever, ever changing. Ever, ever, uh, evolving ever changing, And getting yeah. more expensive in some ways as well. You know, yeah. What about the practicality of, I don't know whether this has ever bitten you, but the idea of, instead of our contracts, you know, I'm going to do this for you, this is what I'm going to do, these are sort of the number of hours I'm going to put into it, mm-hmm. uh, and set in a fee. You know, for a young person, that can be quite difficult.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's very difficult. You don't know how much to charge. You don't know how long something is going to take. You know, it's how long is a piece of string. This comes with experience. I think perhaps shows like this, listen to shows and podcasts like this where you get a range of people bringing different experiences in. Go to events, seminars, reach out to people if you can. You know, I say build those relationships, talk to people, Mm. ask for advice and guidance where you can.
0: Yeah, well, that's good advice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I take my advice. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's something, you know, yeah. there's always new things. and something to learn and, and insight from other people. That's
0: I, mean, I, I work, obviously, I, I work at the University of South Wales and I'm, I'm working a lot of professional practice modules. And, you know, it's surprising sometimes with, with students. I mean, I, I've got some fantastic students. Things that a more mature person sometimes take for granted, like, you know, introducing yourself or, or, or shaking hands or, mm-hmm. you know, networking or, or, or yeah, writing a letter or something like this mm-hmm. or making a phone call Yeah, you know kind of communication systems which we, you take as red they're not no you know even those things can be quite difficult for, for young people definitely but like you say I suppose the more the more they do it the, the more they'll, be, they'll become comfortable with it exactly and just to, to pull
1: it back to the my current role with Uprising that's a yes. lot of the things that we do
0: well, I was going to ask you about that because yeah. you said earlier a lot of the stuff you do is kind of transferable from music you've brought into this, yeah. into again mm. you
1: know it's about those skills mm. you exactly mentioned, you know, and being able to engage and communicate with a wide range of people and being able to do that in a sincere and coherent way, I think, you know, it's... And that takes time, I guess. It takes time to takes to practice um, and you have to put yourself out there, which is very difficult sometimes as well. You know, there are lots of challenges around that as well, making yourself visible and being public facing. It can be difficult for a lot of people. How long have you been in post? Uh... Two well, three weeks. <laughs> uh, I'm not including the Christmas break. Yeah, yeah, I started just before Christmas. Wow, I didn't realize it was uh, that fresh. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very fresh. Wow. Um, so yeah, I'm getting up to speed myself. Yeah. So yeah, but it's an interesting and, and, and a valuable hmm. thing to do. I think.
0: Well, you've done an amazing job uh, with the interview. Then, if you've only been in post for three weeks, but uh, in any case, thanks very much, Adam. Really interested in talking to you, and I wish you great success uh, with uprising and and you know the, the future for you in terms of. Whatever you're looking to achieve, good luck with it.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, an enjoyable conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Adam.